Coming up on the podcast, in celebration of Halloween Kills, the new Michael Myers flick, uh, we're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street instead, because Freddy rules! Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kinda like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener, and welcome to another Halloween spooktacular podcast from Magnificently Huge. Uh, we do this every year, allegedly, since it's the spooky season, so we uh, decided we needed to talk about something uh, horror-related, and we couldn't think of anything. As it happens, Halloween Kills has just come out, but we don't care about that. I mean, we're not huge horror buffs, sorry to say. If you like horror, that's great. We applaud you, but it's just not our go-to genre, so we're kind of just flailing in the dark here. So we thought it'd be fun to talk about one of our favorites, being kids of the 80s. Uh, Halloween, eh. Friday the 13th, eh. But A Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh boy. Freddy Krueger is really one that we relate to, or at least, you know, some of us. Uh, it's a very weird Wes Craven movie that kind of broke him into the mainstream. While the franchise has got like 500 movies and is very strange, the first one where it all started kind of set the template and is an unusual horror film by any metric. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. And then, you know, where it stands in the pop culture, blah, blah, blah. If you like A Nightmare on Elm Street, if you like uh, hearing people that don't watch horror normally talk about horror, well, then this is the show for you. If you uh, find fault with anything that we say, well, we invite you to send us an email to magnificentlyhugegmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're in all those places where social media does its thing. Uh, you can also hit us up uh, via iTunes. We're on the podcast there. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Really, wherever you uh, find the podcast that you listen to. And then, uh, of course, we've also got our website, maghuge.com. So we uh, invite you to send us any and all comments, feedback, whatever like us share us uh smash the like button uh blah 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 anyway without further ado one two freddy's a coming for you okay cheers one two freddy's coming for you three oh, four stop stop like stop <laughs> what your favorite i don't know movie? what that is that's the song from that's, the movie the, that we're going to be talking about. Oh, yeah. It's the children's rhyme. So, yeah. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Um, my name's Brian. Hey, Brian. What's your last name, by the way, Brian? Kruger. Oh, see? It's a perfect fit. Yeah. Serendipity. We'll get into yeah. that, I'm sure. And nobody can spell it correctly unless you tell them it's just like Freddy, and then suddenly they get it. Ding! That's I true. Don't, I don't know how so. to spell Freddy Krueger's last name, though. <laughs> That's okay. Look <laughs> yeah, it up. Yeah, really. Hey, who else is talking? That, Intros. This is oh, Chris. This is Eric. Yeah. Hello. Oh, hey. yeah. Oh, you meant you meant him. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. go ahead and tell him your name. And for I don't know that it matters. Yeah. For the, this uh, is why the it's so hard to do our name intros is that we yeah. just have to we kind of talk over each other. Well, and we know each so, other too well. But, uh, uh, yeah. A normal podcast has just like a script that they read and they oh, follow at the beginning of the show. You know. <laughs> Yeah. We're so punk rock, we don't need a damn script. 
<laughs> and then trip over each other while we talk and can't get anything together. That's we're we're rough around the edges uh, almost yeah. five years in. That's our thing. Yeah. Uh, oh. So Eric, well, what's your name? Well, I'm Eric. Yes. You already said that. This o- is like over yeah. you. Wait, who was asking Eric what his name was? Oh, wait, Eric, I'm really confused. Are we in a dream right now? What in the hell is going on? This anyway. is just me. I was doing a little shtickerooski. <laughs> I think for the duration of this, Brian can keep his last name, but uh, Eric, you get to be Eric Myers, and I'll be Chris Voorhees, and we'll just roll oh. with it. How's that? Because oh. yeah. as, uh, as luck would have it, Halloween Kills opens this weekend, like the umpteenth Halloween movie, but f- I'm not going to fucking talk about Halloween. I want to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. That's what I was thinking, so that's why we're doing that. Make, yes. Makes sense. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, but before that, does anybody have any of the fresh shit that they want to talk about? This shit is fresh. Why, yes, sir. I do have fresh shit. That's Go amazing. Do you have a hundred things? Do you have five things? Like on a scale no, of 1 to 10, Wait, what would you who, say? Eric, did you say you wanted to go first? I'm sorry. No, no, I said you guys go first. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll steer clear of at least one thing I know that Eric's going to bring up. But um, So I don't think I talked on the show. I watched all of The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. Have you guys seen this thing? No, I still haven't started it. That's the, what, the Kaylee Cuoco thing? Yeah. Okay. So Kaylee yeah, Cuoco... We watched it. Um, yeah, she's she's an alcoholic flight attendant who is just a hot mess, and she like has a one night stand with some dude in um, Bangkok, and wakes up next to his bloody corpse, and then this whole like international thriller thing unravels around her. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like the kind of book you read you know that you buy at the airport gift shop it's 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 that kind of a book and like so what's everything is all twisty turny and is weird and and is it she just drinks her way through it is it yeah is it a comedy or is it more like a hitchcocky kind of a vibe like what are they doing it's a hit it's a hitchcocky kind of vibe that's that has funny moments okay Gotcha. Yeah, so like the the dead guy ends up inhabiting her self-consciousness. And so there's all these scenes where he just like keeps popping up and she's back in the room with him with his slit throat and he's like criticizing her and trying to help her understand her her messed up situation. It it goes a little bit further with the twisty turny intrigue thing than it needs to. There's a whole B plot with her friend Rosie Perez, this other flight attendant who is also getting tangled up in a bunch of intrigue. So is the character's name Rosie Perez? Or is it the actual Rosie Perez? <laughs> it's the actual Rosie Perez. Okay, just want to make sure. But for all I know, her character's name was Rosie Perez because so I can't stupid, think of it. Billy. That's I love doing the Rosie Perez. We do that impression around my house at least once a week for some godforsaken no, reason. No, it's infinity plus infinity. <laughs> You're so stupid, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> the white man can't jump. Yeah, God. and then by the end of it, yet another one of the flight attendants that's part of her regular crew is also part of intrigue, and so it's just like it 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 takes its it takes its thing a little too far. I think. Okay. Is it a, like a like a one season encapsulated show, or do you think they're going to do more? Um, 
I it is it, a one season encapsulated story. They 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 will probably do more. It's okay. based on a novel. I mean, it is actually oh, you know like gotcha. a contained story. And kind of a funny note, uh, Kaylee Cuoco uh, optioned it. Right, you know, like actors yeah. do. They they go, oh, I want to do that. Get the option for. It. She optioned it based on the book cover, not having read it. Nice. Yeah, nice. she saw it. She's like, oh, I want to do that. And then she's like, what's it about? Like, what? <laughs> it could have it been like a total softcore porn thing. That'd be awesome. Right. I think that's, that's such a weird idea. Yeah. But also, it's also very Jodorowsky <laughs> in his approach to Dune, which was, I do not read the book. I just, I know yeah. I want it to be fabulous. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Okay. So, yeah, it's, Re- I mean. Do, do you guys recommend this? Should I watch this at some point? Uh, I mean, it depends on if it's your kind of schlock, right? It's it's just pulpy, sort of spy-ish intrigue stuff. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's empty calories, you know, right? My, my opinion, it would have done better as a movie. This is the kind of thing that's almost got too much filler. You could have done yeah. this in two hours. Interesting. Yeah, they, they they try to go for like a weeds vibe where like, you know, they keep ratcheting it up episode to episode, you know, and there's always like a, a what the fuck moment at the end of each episode to get you to watch the next one. It's not bad, but I don't think it's essential viewing either. Well, she's got some like weird sweet deal with HBO, doesn't she? Because she's doing uh, the Harley Quinn cartoon. She's got this. I I would assume there's something else coming. Uh, so it just seems like she's landed on her feet that's, well after a Big Bang. That's a good barometer, actually. I would say personally that the Harley Quinn cartoon is uh, worth your time more. Oh, I love that show. Oh, I'm absolutely. so waiting for yeah, the third season to drop. I loved it. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> the one, the one thing that they, they, they must have gotten very cheap these lo- these music rights, but her ringtone is Stacy Q's Two of Hearts." Going, <laughs> I need, <laughs> and it happens several times every episode. It's so annoying. That is such an obnoxious song, too. Good God, oh. it'll make you <laughs> make you jump for your phone. I guess yeah. it works. That's on that true. Level. I mean, who who the fuck uses a ringtone anymore? That's what I want to know. Good God. Right? Right? Why? <laughs> Who uses why? a phone anymore? Oh, <laughs> you can text them and not have to actually yeah. interact. Right? It's like if you have to call somebody, obviously me. you use Zoom. Yeah. But when somebody, <laughs> like, when I get a call on my phone, I actually get really angry and annoyed because it's like, who in the hell actually thinks I'm going to pick this shit up? Just text me. Oh, yeah. I, I let <laughs> it go to voicemail. Mm hmm. So, so the the other show I've been watching, and I'm I kind of jumped in here at season two, because season three is out, and we were about to start watching it in season three, and then the recap happened. My wife was like, "Wait, I thought I had watched everything up to this point, but I only watched season one." So we just jumped into season two of Doom Patrol. Yeah, if you um, don't if you don't watch the first season, that second season's like what? I head scratch. I, I saw the last episode of the first season. I'm pretty caught up. I I'm I'm following it, but yeah, the yeah. whole show is just bonkers. Yeah, well the com <laughs> the comic is really fucking good. It's always been one of my favorites. So when that show came out, I was like, yes, thank you. Uh, and it's it's not quite the same as the comic, but it's very enjoyable with what they've done with it. So I'm digging it. My yeah, wife, my so wife expressed interest in watching that, so we we've watched it through to the second episode, and I'm like, I'm not sure, 
I don't know what to think of it yet. So, Brian, I, I, I relish it, your review. Yeah. Are, are you are, Of weird. what season are you watching, Eric? Season one. Okay. Okay. So we got episode two. It's like, you know, it, we, we were watching it on the strength of, God damn it, this looks weird. And yeah. it's it, kind of yeah, like... It's, it's weird. It gets so It's like weird. Legion, but a lot more accessible. But... Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, when you when you get to the uh, there's a there's a character in the show that's also uh, like a sentient street from like a like <laughs> yeah. an all American Main Street Danny. kind of thing, Danny. Yes, and like all these people live there, but it's like interdimensional. It's just the weirdest concept, but it's an actual character that has effect on the plot. I mean, it's like oh. what in the fuck am yeah. I watching? It is so bizarre, but good. So yeah, okay, so. Starring the voice of Brendan Fraser, who is playing a perpetually pissed off brain in a robot body who's yeah. just swearing his face off at all times. Good times. Uh, um, there's like the, the guy who looks like the invisible man who's actually like, I guess, basically radioactive and yeah. the bandages are to protect everybody else. Matt Bomer. There's a chick with a yeah. bunch of um, multiple personalities. There's uh, multiple a personalities in... that each have a superpower of their own, which is yes. kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And there's like a whole episode where they go into her subconscious and you actually see a lot of them in action and you get like the weird schism in her head. It's like, <laughs> oh God, this is just like a whole episode for that. I mean, they're not afraid to just yeah. sidestep and take some fun, you know? And it's it's this equal parts like cheesy television level production and and then like every now and then there's really excellent stuff like some of the makeup they do is great, yeah. um, and then of course Timothy Dalton as the wheelchair bound guy it it I don't know this almost it's it's got Umbrella Academy um, mm. similarities right like it's a little it's, bit it's very similar to Umbrella Academy but I mean way. it's but the way it's set up it was like DC's weird F you to the X-Men, uh, the way the comic was set up. And so that's sort of the bones <laughs> of the piece. And so you're kind of beholden to that. So any, any way you cut it, the Doom Patrol is always going to be sort of, well, it's like X-Men or it's like, you know, whatever. So it's, yeah. it's, that's kind of, it's, it's weird cross to bear. Uh, but I think it helps them find just the weirdest storylines to explore. We just watched the third episode of season two, which introduces the sex men uh, in the Doom Patrol. <laughs> I don't think I made it that far yet. Interesting. Interesting. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Doom Patrol. It is. It is fucked up. Like they are just <laughs> doing their thing. Yeah. It's I guarantee like read the comics sometime if you can find it because it's it's even weirder. It's so much fun. So, yeah. Good times. So. And then finally, and if you guys want to not talk about this one on this show and do it once you both have had a chance to see it, I did go see No Time to Die. Uh, no. I will not see it anytime soon because it's not on streaming. So, right. But no I'm spoilers. probably going to go see it. I want to see it. I do. All I'm right. Not, I mean, I'm I not do. Gonna, I'm not going to spoil anything. I will set. I will set your expectations. It is better than Spectre. Well, oh, um, that doesn't mean a goddamn thing. <laughs> no, it, that far it was like lower than low, sir. So, I had a bowel is, movement yeah, yesterday no. that was better than Spectre. <laughs> it is it is closer to a Skyfall than any of the other Craig movies in terms of quality level, um, but it isn't quite as. It, it, I'd say that you know quality ratings are Casino Royale, which is an all timer, Skyfall, then this. 
uh, in terms of quality of Daniel Craig Bond movies. That's kind of the, um, the gist I get from most people, which is too bad because Quantum of Solace uh, hit when they had the writer's strike, and so it just got shafted. That could have been such a I, good movie. but yeah. I actually I think it is like the second best of the Daniel Craigs. I really do like Quantum. Yeah, I would okay. put it third. I'm, I'm third in a minority me, there, but yeah, yeah, that's all right. For me, what killed it was the way they edited the action. But uh, this one, the action is really well done. Um, I'll give them that. It's just, it's still a Daniel Craig Bond film, and all that entails, including all of the continuity and all of the like, sort of yeah, sort of reducing the ridiculousness of the James Bond franchise it's, that they yeah. that they have been focused on. This has been such a weird era, right? Cuz they've done, they've tried to do the more realistic approach like the Bourne movies to make it relevant, but then they decided that they were going to add all that continuity from movie to movie and that's almost what ruins the Craig years for me. Cuz it's like, no, I just yeah. want to stand alone. I don't want to have to invest myself in this one so I can understand the next one. It's not a okay, Marvel movie. Okay. So so this one, this one is all continuity, um, but it's still a better movie than uh, it's. It's. I'd say they went out as 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 well as they were going to with these. Um, so it's worth your time. Well, it better be because it's nearly three goddamn hours yeah, really. long. Well, wow. as a uh, as final bond goes, uh, how does this rank among? All of them. Well, final bonds are generally awful, right? Right, like final bonds. You know what? Well, you only live twice, or diamonds no, are forever. No. Which one was the last Connery? Diamonds are forever, which I like. Yeah, D- diamonds are forever, and uh, View to a Kill. I mean, License to Kill was a good final bond. Oh, License but to Kill. Die another day was was not. There, yeah. there. See, the thing though is that they're usually their terribleness is what gets them to get rid of the person playing Bond. It's like <laughs> yeah. License to Kill was, there's a reason, you know, uh, yeah. a, or, or, or so, the end of uh, Pierce Brosnan was because that oh other God, one with die. die or Kill in the title was so just abysmal. Uh, but Connery, Connery, I don't know. I think, I think his two final Bonds were really good. Yeah, I yeah. like them. Like you only live twice is just so batshit bonkers nuts that it just I'm enthralled by it every time. Like Roll Doll wrote plays the goofiest a Japanese script, man. So, yeah, and they turned him into so a I'm, Japanese man. It's like what in the fuck is this? So I'm I'm gonna say this easily the best exit for a Bond actor. Oh, okay, probably yeah. because they knew it was the exit, right? And and were able to adapt to that. Okay. Well, right. on this note too, let me ask you: Do you like all of this hullabaloo where everybody's going nuts about, they should pick this person for Bond or this. Because my thinking is they don't need to pick a giant star. That would ruin everything. The whole point of Bond is they always pick a fairly obscure or unknown actor to yeah. take over the role. Right? I agree. Okay. I think it would um, actually hurt I, it to get a known actor. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I I just want them to, to make more movies with Anna de Armas' character from this movie. She's okay. she's only in it for like one scene, really, but really? she absolutely steals the movie. Okay. Yeah, no, she's fantastic. Because they keep touting all the press stuff who? and like what? She's the girl from uh, Armas. She's the girl from Knives Out who played the nurse who gets embroiled uh-huh. in all of the hullabaloo. I don't know. She, I, 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 I know there were like a bunch of rumors that um, the other the other MI6 agent woman takes over the Bond role. Yeah. That's all chit chat. Well, 
the they they're pretty clear about they're pretty clear about uh she's not taking over the bond role but she's definitely a double o okay and they say that in the titles or in the yeah. previews so you're not you i'm not spoiling anything here she's actually really awesome uh they could they could easily do more with her character as well okay say you well, all right I'll, uh, so yeah I'll, I, I won't spoil it but yeah I, it's it's not it's not dog shit this i mean the script, <laughs> you have to deal with the with the continuity yeah but uh yeah i'm just disappointed because this is this will be the first bond movie that i haven't seen in the theaters since uh i think view to kill was the first one that started that role and so i've not missed one since and so I'm oh you gotta irritated. do it then I'm telling. I've talked about this last week. Theaters here are fucking petri dishes, and I'm not. Oh, he's in Texas. I'm not on That's board true. with that. So, <laughs> so no, maybe. I don't know. Okay. You need to go to like the matinee show on a weekday. Yeah. <laughs> really. With my uh, my painter's mask, the hazmat, and my hazmat suit. suit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's enough for me. Who else got fresh shit? Eric. Yes. Uh. Uh, okay, there's a movie on, uh, I think I saw it on HBO Max, uh, but it's from last year, a film called Promising Young Woman. Has anybody watched this? Oh, I've is heard that of finally it. streamable? Yeah. I, I've been waiting to watch that one. Fucking it looks great. awesome. Carrie Mulligan is a woman who dropped out of med school uh, because she, you know, she freaked out over an incident with a friend that uh, I think I should weave you know a mystery until you watch it you gotta watch it anyway mm-hmm. she she has a, a hobby where she goes out at night playing a drunk girl at bars gets guys to take her home to try and date rape her and then she you know basically fucks him up but not no castration no no murder just mental fucking up and it's it's really wonderful and then uh, she finds the person who basically put her on this track, and it turns into a massive revenge uh, comedy. I mean, it's it's great. It's really great. Um, so it's a so Bo it's a Burnham dark comedy. Makes an unexpected appearance as a you know the romantic lead, as um, a would be rapist. <laughs> no, no, but it does oh. it does get interesting. Like I said, it's 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 very. I don't know. Um, it's a very well plotted thriller and you, you, yeah, you know, I've, I've heard nothing but positive about this and I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. I, I'm, I'm, I was almost, I'm so jaded now. I was watching this going, oh, this is where they will fuck this up. Oh no, this is where they will fuck this up. Oh, I see what they're doing now. And that's, that's going to lead to them doing this, which is hackneyed and cliche and horrible. No, they did everything just right. By the end of the movie, I was like, "That was that was brilliant." How how is every film not think to do it this way, this intelligently? Carrie Mulligan, for once, plays a woman who's really strong. She always seems to play sort of like wealthy, uh, I don't know, obnoxious feather women. You know those kinds that have a voice like this, and I so far, so far, so. And you know, in this, she's just you know a badass. Okay. You got to see this movie. Nice. Okay. Worth the price of admission. Uh, yeah, very much so. Okay. Um, I think that's all I got. No, it's not. What was the other one? Come on. I, I, I didn't pull the trigger on talking about Squid Game. 
Uh, oh, that's right. The Squid we Game. We're talking about Squid Game. Squid right. Game. Everybody's talk talking about Squid Game. I shouldn't talk even have to yourselves. explain what's. I, I, the best, the best uh, review uh, one liner I heard is Squid Game is a cross between Battle Royale and. Uh, uh... Oh, damn it. I cannot remember. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave me hanging. It's a one-word Korean quote. movie. Like it's a it. one-word goddamn Korean movie. What the fuck is it? And it has to do with a thing oh, that like old is boy. inside of you. Old no, boy. it's like it's like 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 a tapeworm. The way a tapeworm is in you and it lives off of you. Parasite. It's, it's a ah. Parasite. Thank you. Parasite. Words. <laughs> fuck you. Words. Words. God damn it. Okay. What was I saying? But, Cross but between Battle Royale of, and Parasite. Okay. But by way of anime, right? Like, and maybe it's just because of the dub, because I've been watching the English dub of it. But also just the way some of the characters are are voiced and framed. You know, you see anime influences on this thing. You see um, Willy Wonka. They do those facial expressions, like wah huh? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Everyone's watching a Squid Game, and I haven't finished it, Eric. I'm about halfway through. Yeah. Just so from a spoilers perspective. Okay, yeah, no but, spoilers. Um, but I, I, I think actually just the best way to, exp- without spoiling it, it, it is it is the best uh, takedown of sort of capitalism. <laughs> I, it, 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 yeah, it's like we, we, we live to watch others suffer and, uh, you know, we use money to get so, them to do it. There's there's a there's a theme that at the point I'm at in the show that has emerged right where so basically they round up all these people who are like way in over their heads in debt and then they have them play child childhood games uh you know for cash prizes basically and like so the first one is a is red light green light and if you're moving during red light the sniper shoots you in the head um and and so, on the one hand, there's this very clear metaphor for the haves and the have-nots, right? And the haves are all, like, the people running this thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's the guy who seems to be at the top of that pyramid, gives a little speech about how, you know, in in this game, it's equitable. Everyone has an equal shot, mm-hmm. unlike the the world out there. And and, and I'm I'm curious, does that play out? Because it seems like they're trying to have it both ways where these guys are both the elite and also calling it equitable. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to I don't know how to how to how to answer that without like ruining without things. Spoiling things. All I can okay. say is that guy is honest. <laughs> I mean, that's probably okay. the best way to put it. <laughs> so uh, so Eric, how does this compare to something like the hunt? Would it be I think similarish. <laughs> I think you know that's a good that's a good the hunt didn't have as much fun death you know okay I mean gotcha. I, I this is this is basically going to um it, it's going to be good for the moments of ooh I want to watch a lot of people die horribly this week what do we got <laughs> and there are some in there that are just so awesome uh, there's a character who who makes you remember that North Korea exists uh. Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's it's like yeah, they've they've sort of gotten everybody from uh, Korean society into a room and 
<laughs> put them into situations where they just fucking die. Pitted them against each other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's it's really entertaining. Uh, it's very bingeable. I get why it's like sweeping the world instantly. You know what? It's actually even more like it's more like a Saw movie, really, because they 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 each have to go through all this shit, and you have the opportunity to get out at the end. The only difference is. Saw. Only one is going to get out and, you know, it's not about learning a lesson. It's just a competition, but it's the same kind of violence porn, really. Okay. okay. But not as graphic. Well, that's too bad. It's like cutthroat kitchen, but with submachine guns. <laughs> Where they actually cut your throat. Actual cut your throat kitchen is what I mean. Uh, the old man in that, that, that thing is the best. Yeah. He's like. He's awesome. He, he's like, you, you kind of think, oh, this, this guy's going out fast, but it's like, no, this. This old, old man understands child's games more than anyone, and so they just keep going to him for advice on how to survive, and he keeps being right. It's really wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and he's 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 kind of playing that you know crazy old dude uh, character mm-hmm. from from many animes, right? But yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. No, great show. Um, really charismatic leads. Um, I I don't look forward. I don't look forward to the uh, the the sequel that they will almost certainly make. They they yeah. they left a couple of uh, openings there for a sequel. Um, <sighs> they they shot this thing in 2020. They actually like sh- apparently shut down production for a month due to the pandemic. But I mean, like, there's there's a lot of people in the same room in yeah. this thing. <laughs> um. So I don't know. Maybe the pandemic was different in Korea. The, uh, they were uh, in Korea. Sure. They were like hardcore about it. They that's why they're that. That's funny. We had coronavirus discovered, I think, the same day as South Korea. And because of the two different ways these countries handled it, their outbreak was like super contained. And of course, ours became a mess. They yeah. in all likelihood, they uh yeah, they shut down the moment that they, they heard there might be a thing. And because they were so disciplined about it, they were able to get back to shooting faster than we would have been able wow. to. Good job, Korea. And now you have yeah. a big hit on Netflix. You did it. Hooray. Hooray. Uh, okay. All right. So that's what well, I got. Chris, regale us with more fresh shit. Uh, well, truth be told, I am not. And never have been big on the water cooler shows, so I'm not making any promises about Squid Game uh, at all. There's, there, My world is littered with all of the popular shows that everybody loves that I still have never seen. So I might just add <laughs> this one to the pile. Can I, can I actually say, actually, honestly, Chris, you're right. Yeah. You probably shouldn't, because I'm thinking this has now been successfully overhyped. For you, right? This is never yeah. going to be as good as everybody says. Yeah, exactly. I know it's you're going to get like through the first episode, and you're going to go. Ah, so yeah. okay, what? It's what? It's why I've never watched uh, the Sopranos. It's why I've never watched The Wire. It's why I've never yeah. watched uh, Weeds. I mean, any of these shows that come out where everybody loses their shit. Orange is the New Black. I mean, I just I don't get around to watching them right off the bat and then I'm not part of the conversation and then I'm like, yeah, who cares? And it doesn't have the <laughs> level of weird that I think would get you to go, oh, okay, I see what you're talking about. Like, okay. if it was the dark backward and I was like, no, I'm not fucking kidding. See this movie. 
<laughs> and you finally did, then you would be like, oh, oh, okay. oh my God, he, he has an arm growing out of his back. But yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just. Deep I, cuts, everybody. Welcome to the Magnificent the yeah. Huge podcast where we got deep <laughs> cuts. And watch the dark background when you can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I've had I did kind of an entertainment malaise uh, the last week or two. So, uh, really, it's only been saved by the fact that uh, the new hockey season has started, NHL. 2021-22 season uh, so that's the deal we had it on NHL live TV where we could catch all the games but NBC I guess their contract ran out and so they didn't have any home for it and it got all fucking screwed up so we basically had to get the ESPN plus bundle with DF, with Disney plus and Hulu so we could actually get games because you couldn't find anywhere else it's just irritating so <laughs> that's mm. that's kind of the deal but we're able to watch uh, a couple games here and there which is nice makes my wife happy uh, when we can watch that uh, so you know it's fun apart from that the the band I found last year that I really really love called the regrets uh, don't have a new album but they have a new single that dropped a couple weeks ago called Monday and I must have heard it a hundred times by now so catchy yeah so that's literally all i've been doing is watching hockey and listening to the song monday by the regrets that is my life right now <laughs> so uh, Good life. but it is yeah, yeah yeah well thanks for saying so <laughs> you know <laughs> uh chris is going through a move moving is the goddamn worst yeah so, we're we're yeah, getting ready to put the house have up. some sympathy yeah we're getting ready to put the house in the market so we're doing all of the shit that you need to do to put the house on the market and it just sucks so mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't have a lot of free time so you know hooray but uh all right but one of these days i'll get around to something fun and we can talk about it uh that's really well. It. Until then, let's let's go on with the show. Yeah, let's do this. Let's rip out yeah. this bad boy and get her rolling. Uh, yeah. So, a nightmare in Elm okay. Street from 1984. <laughs> it's considered a classic. Yes, no. You agree? I think yeah. so. Okay. I think uh, it's it's ubiquitous. Yeah, it definitely put Wes Craven on the map. Because up to that point, he'd done some really, really hard to watch. And I say that lovingly, because I like Wes Craven, more or less. <laughs> but The Hills Have Eyes uh, and, and Last, such, house, on the last house on the Left, those yeah. are hard watches, man. Those are hard watches. <laughs> and so uh, I'm glad that he got to sort of uh, get Nightmare on Elm Street made. And nobody wanted to make it until New Line did it. And it literally is the the movie that made New Line Cinema uh, a success. It was the first New Line yeah. picture, wasn't it? No, and, no. They, and they basically they, had no money. Yeah. And they had this done movie like, is more or less what established New yeah. Line. Well, I mean, they had done like Polyester with John Waters, etc. But they'd never had well, they, yeah. like a huge hit. So this... They were distributing like old movies like Reefer Madness yeah. was how they got started, I exactly. guess. So it's, so it's a weird tale in and of itself. But because of freddy krueger 
New Line Cinema would go on to do just all these big giant movies in the 90s and whatnot, uh, leading to stuff like Lord of the Rings, which just boggles right. my mind to think about that. So without Freddy Krueger... nightmare. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. You wouldn't have Lord of the Rings. So it's a weird path. But that was also the early 80s, so you were coming off of... Uh, like Halloween from 78 that John Carpenter did that led to all of the slasher films in the 80s. And then Friday the 13th, which is the shitty knockoff that's all literally just gore, like hacking teenagers to death in the woods. Uh, and then Nightmare on Elm Street comes along, which follows the, the tropes and uses some of that same Final Girl template stuff. But it goes in that totally other direction and it fucks with you. And... I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think if people got it when it first came out, at least like the studios didn't, because no one wanted to make it. And then Bob Shea from New Line said, "Yeah, let's do it." And so they basically leverage their company and make this movie where you're never quite sure if you're in the dream or out of the dream. But Freddy Krueger's the child killer who is going after the children in their dreams of the parents who burned him to death because he was a child molester that got off on a technicality. So there's all this weird interwoven backstory that just makes it so dense. But they kill everybody in such outlandishly cool ways that you can't <laughs> yeah. do. In so the, the Fred- thing, the th- yeah, that, that's the thing about this, right? That that is so genius. Is first of all, and we're and right now we're talking about the first movie, mm-hmm. the 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, right. And and this is not necessarily a Freddy Krueger movie the way that people think about them now. That template no. was established somewhere yeah. around the fourth movie, third or fourth. But yeah. but but yeah, this is. This is what what's so great about it is first of all the mechanic, right? That he kills you if you fall asleep. So the thing you have to do to not die is don't sleep <laughs> which and is deprive impossible. yourself of sleep, which just makes your life miserable yeah, yeah, which is and impossible. fucks with your head. And then when they do die, um the circumstances of the death always pin the blame somewhere else. Right? So yeah. oh the boyfriend did it or oh it was a suicide. And and so no one believes you when you say, no, no, I'm being stalked by the dream demon. Yeah, okay. You just need to sure, take dude. a nap. I love that the parents in this thing, that's like their response to it all. You just need to go to sleep. And that freaks the kids out even right. more. It's the perfect little Chinese box of terror because it's like, no, yeah. the one thing you want me to do, I can't do. And you make me do it. And so they're always like trying to make their kids take sleeping pills or whatever it's just so it's just they ratchet it up ratchet it up and it's just a genius idea for Wes Craven I gotta applaud him for it <laughs> but the the first one that budget was what like 1.5 million? 1 million yeah it not was not even 1.5 like even by today's standards that's nothing like if you do the the rate of exchange like they had no money but when you watch it to me it's still fresh because they were forced and it was before the age of cg so you're forced to do practical effects and Mm -hmm. some of them look eh, sketchy because it's a low budget feature but i mean this is like like stunning some of the stuff they do with the budget they had so i think it's just a matter of uh no money made them a little bit more creative with the stuff that they did because the set pieces in this thing are just insane and I love it. The great even thing to about the great thing about older effects is you have to do them practical and analog, and then yes. it's mm-hmm. a marriage between them and the editor. Because, yeah. like, if you look at yes. the Star Wars effects, some of them are pretty bad, but 
because they were cutting it fast enough, you got the impression that it was real and you didn't see that it was a model mm-hmm. blowing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact yeah, that they-, they get a lot of mileage out of a gimbal. Yeah. Yeah. The- yeah. <laughs> well, I movie. love it. Yeah. Cause there's two deaths with the gimbal. So there's the first one with Tina played by Amanda Wiss, uh, which, and that, I love that on the story because they set it up from the get-go that she's going to be the hero and then they fucking psycho her. They kill her. Yeah. Just out of the blue. <laughs> and it's like, whoa! Because that's just not something that normally happens in, in flicks. And so then that sets the stage for uh, Nancy to come along, Heather Langenkamp's character. Uh, yeah. Well, and they kill her in a freaky way because she's literally yeah. like flying up the walls and landing on the ceiling and yeah, bleeding and bl- all over everything. Blood everywhere. I mean, yeah, it's astonishing to watch. But I think they got the idea for that from like Royal Wedding, the Fred Astaire movie where he's dancing on the, the walls and ceiling. And so they're like, sure. Uh, but apparently uh, it was really hard to control and it was really disorienting. Amanda Wiss just fucking hated it. Like at one point when they were done shooting, she's just lying on what's the ceiling, but it's really the floor. And she's like, I can't get up. I can't get up. I'm so disoriented. So Wes Craven pokes his head <laughs> through the window and just goes, no, look, it's fine. It's here. But even he said, yeah, it. I got really disoriented there when I did that. I probably shouldn't have done that. (laughs) So it's like, I can't imagine filming all day doing that, but just rolling around. Uh, But it was so off kilter that when they did Johnny Depp's big death scene where he gets sucked into the bed and then all the blood shoots out, like they didn't account for the weight of the liquid. And so (laughs) it like shifted. So when you watch the movie, the tech they've got where the blood starts like spilling sideways and you get all those cool Mm -hmm. rivulets, that's a total accident. And so when I watch it now, I'm like, that is the best accident I've ever seen. Well, uh, apparently, they were also pouring gallons and gallons of, of blood onto an, an actual live electrical <laughs> exactly. fixture yeah. and Zim. gave the, guy, the, the special effects guys up top a pretty good shock. Yeah, so. it's crazy. Uh, but just, yeah, everything about it is just astonishing that it made itself into something phenomenal. It made, like... It made like fifty million dollars off yeah. of a one, less than a one point five million dollar yeah. budget, and, so put them on. Which there. is really the success story of all the the best slasher films, right? We had right. we already had Halloween, we already had right. Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, it's like this one was like, okay, well, we we want to enter that, but we need a hook, and so they found yeah. a hook with the fall asleep thing. It's actually kind of sad that there hasn't been, you know, a new one. Wes Craven tried it again with Shocker, didn't work, but didn't work. You know, same thinking, right. supervillain killer um, with a hook. I mean, Saw, you mentioned Saw, yeah. that one kind of, Saw, Paranormal Activity, there have been, there've been some that have taken off, you know, Blair Witch yeah. since mm-hmm. then, but, but nothing as high concept as this, right? No. This is, yeah. I think this, that's probably what I love about it most, because, you know, I like the first Halloween, it's effective, uh, but everything else that came after is just bollocks. I mean, even Carpenter himself said no. Like, he, he got rammed into doing the sequel, but he wasn't into it. Uh, like, Season of the Witch, Halloween 3, is just like a total departure, so I don't even count that as a real Halloween movie. I liked, get all of the- I liked uh, how, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 Dream Warriors because it gave the kids some agency for once. I thought that three. was a nice. That idea. was the third one. Yeah, that was three. Yeah, yeah. Okay. three. Then. Yeah, that was three, and that's the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Well, I Full will. Stop. I will argue the point, but uh, okay. To we'll finish up this. on the first one, so it's low budget, but then he also gets uh, John Saxon, who's no stranger to a B movie, 
and uh, he plays Nancy's dad. Uh, then you get Ronnie Blakely, who apparently, she, I guess she had gotten nominated for Robert Altman's Nashville. And so you've got right. some some high-powered names going on here, but you can get them cheap because their careers aren't really, you know, going anywhere. And then you get uh, introducing, it's in the actual title, introducing Johnny Depp. So his first role ever. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, without this movie, you don't get Edward Scissorhands or any of that stuff. So it's a weird nexus point in film history. Whereas you can look back at uh, like the Friday the 13th stuff and it's like, what does that give us? Nothing. Like Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And of course, Heather Langenkamp, winner of the Joe Bob Briggs Award for Best Actress in a Movie Named Langenkamp. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's she's our final girl. She's Nancy. Yeah. And the best thing about that character is she's the final girl and she struggles to save everybody and she's totally useless. Like nobody can save. (laughs) It's such a nice twist where she just, you know, can't do anything for anybody. So... Uh, it's just, and somehow, somehow at the end, you know, her deal is that, you know, okay. So the, the, how Freddie works and how you defeat him is different in every movie. It like, yeah, is not consistent, but in this one, the, the deal is that she has to realize it's a dream and, and she basically does the same move that Jennifer Connelly does to David Bowie in Labyrinth, which is the, you have no power over me moment yeah which somehow defeats freddie at least temporarily well sort it's, of it's because until he has the, power over her yeah but yeah. it's because the, the character of freddie feeds off of the fear in the dreams and so that's sort of part and parcel so when she figures that out she's like well you know fuck you i'm just i'm not going to be afraid anymore and she like turns her back on him he disappears but then it leads to the like the the ending with the big like surprise and it doesn't make any sense after they set that up. And so they just, they, they make the rules and then they chuck them all out the door. And that sets the stage for all of the other stuff. Because then they're so, in the car and then it's, want- it's Freddy and then the mom gets sucked through the window and then it's over. <laughs> it, I want to talk about that. I actually watched the movies that made us about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Prep for the show as well. Uh-huh. And apparently they shot a ton of endings. Yeah. Like. Like they didn't, they couldn't make up their minds about the endings. And the one where the the woman is being pulled into the door was not one that Wes Craven liked at all. No, that was him throwing a bone to Bob Shea. Yeah. So, so, so here's the deal. They're doing a screening because they're out of money and they, they can't even pay the, the composer and they're trying to get Paramount to buy the movie outright. And so they're doing a screening for the Paramount execs and Bob Shea had hyped up the door ending and that wasn't even edited into the film that they were showing. So they literally had the editors take a taxi to the theater, stop the film and edit in the different endings so they could show it to Paramount and then not get any money. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a miracle that this thing actually got released and made any, any cash. Cause it's also Bob Shea, you know, his whole thing is, yeah, I'm a producer, but, uh, I'm not just the money guy. And so the, like the, the steps when Nancy's right running up the steps at the end and it turns into like just smooshy gloop and, uh, that's like oatmeal or Bisquick or something like Wes Craven didn't even want that. He's like, eh. And so, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Shea actually filmed that and Wes Craven's like, okay, sure. I mean, I'll throw it in. I'll give you a bone. <laughs> so it was like this weird, like give and take adversarial thing going on, which I think ultimately Jesus. helps it. But uh, overall, just like all of the set pieces in the first one are just genius to me. Like you've got the Freddy where his arms get really long in the alley. Uh, it's a totally cheap ass effect, but it works really well. And then he's like scraping the, the blades on the wall. And then you've got the, 
like the guy hanging you have himself, him, like, cutting himself, and the bugs are spilling out, and snakes yeah. and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. So it's just all that. But the like the one Tina's that got dead body being dragged around in a yeah, body bag. All exactly. Over the place. In in the high school, and there's that trail of blood in the hallway. I mean, that like the first time I saw it, I was like, oh fuck me. I mean, it was just intentionally just freaky, and it creeped me out. Uh, so it's just so well done. Everything. I think one of the strengths of this film also is that it, it, it makes you, a, a, anything you question, it can come back at you with, right. well, how normal are your dreams? You know, yeah. it's like the extremely so, long right. arm thing made me think that's not something my head would do, but my head would do something like equally dumb, I'm sure. Yeah. And we hadn't really <laughs> had any films that addressed, you know, dreaming well, in yeah. the subconscious. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just, if like the whole series follows dream logic, I mean, they ignore certain rules and enhance others. Uh, but the template sort of gets like set with the third one. And then it's like, well, here's the, the teenager and this is what they're into. And so by the fourth one, you're like, oh, he's into comic books. Oh, that fucker's going to die in a comic book scenario. Oh, right. she likes to work <laughs> well, out. Oh, she's going to die by working out. I mean, that's like it. Yeah. But let, let's, let's get to that. I, I want to put a button on the first movie and by saying a couple things. One, the thing that makes the, the movie scary is that they don't make the dreams a heightened reality in this movie at, other than things like long arms or whatever, right? But, yeah. but like, they're deliberately trying to fake out the audience. You don't know if you're in a dream or in the real world right. until bad shit goes down. And that's Another very effective. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. And then, and then the other thing about it is all, for me at least as a teenager... Uh, first of all, watching it with a group of people and having the last name Kruger does not endear you to the crowd. Um, <laughs> or it does. But it, it does not. Uh, but, but, but for me, the thing about scary movies was never the, the, the scares of watching the movie. It was trying to not have nightmares later when you're by yourself and the house yeah. is quiet. And that the movie is about your nightmares will fucking kill you. Yeah. Um, that's very effective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's um, that's it's just, right that's right because in the other one just it's like okay as long as i stay away from camp crystal lake i'm fine you know yeah but right well that's just it it's as a character uh i would you know it's the big three it's so it's michael myers jason and freddy krueger you could argue pinhead but that's eh. I, i'll argue chucky in that pantheon yeah. but uh but of the big ones that everybody knows i think freddie is totally different from what had come before because he's not just this lumbering knife wielding maniac who just won't die i mean he's already dead he's in your head they never explain any of the metaphysics of the whole thing which makes it even scarier because it's like well this shit just happened and so it just Until kind it of doesn't. rolls yeah but he's, you know, he's a mouthy quipster. He's evil to the core. I mean, Robert England just chews so much scenery, but it doesn't become cloying in the first few. But and so it's just a, a very good until uh, later. Yeah, but yeah. it's a very good balance, <laughs> and it I think it you know it sets that iconic status of him almost immediately. Uh, but then they kind of, you know, through the course of nine other films, fuck it all up. But. That's yes. that's just me, but then you get the sequel. Can we just talk briefly about Re Nightmare Two, Freddy's Revenge? We should talk about it as much as anybody cares about it. So we're done. Uh, oh no, <laughs> I I used to not like it. I'm like, this is just a cheap ass 
you know, Schlockmeister sequel. But when you start looking at it the way most people do now, as the very weird allegory for a kid coming to grips with his own self-hatred over his sexuality, the thing is sure. a fucking genius movie. It's not <laughs> a Freddy as, movie. As an LGBTQ movie, it is, it it's, is that. Yes. It's fucking genius. And when you watch interviews, there's a, there's a whole series called Never Sleep Again, which actually goes over every single nightmare movie. Uh, but when you get to the one on number nightmare two and they're talking to all the principal filmmakers involved, they're like, except for the writer, the rest of them are like, we didn't know that it was like this weird in your face gay <laughs> thing. It's like, we just shot it because it was in the script. And now it's like, I'm a fucking idiot. I should have just seen that coming from a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> but it's literally about a kid who just, who who's gay, but doesn't feel comfortable with that and so like works out his own sexuality while fending off freddy it's just so goddamn weird <laughs> and i love it the more i watch it now it becomes more and more one of my favorites that's thing, back when about subtlety it is that I, was something you could do yeah <laughs> the thing about it for me was that it's i i have to think of it as not a freddy movie and not right. a nightmare on the street yeah. movie because the character doesn't play by any rules that he plays by in any of the other movies at all, right? Yeah. He is possessing this kid to emerge into the real world in his body, and that just wasn't at yeah. all what made Nightmare on Elm Street what it is. No. And so for me, that I just kind well, of discard yeah. it. It's uh, it's not helped by the fact that the the big finale is Freddy Krueger terrorizing a pool party. Because at that point, you're like, oh, my children. Yeah, it's like, even the filmmakers are like, oh, God, like hanging their heads in shame, just going, what were we doing? But but through the course of the film, like just the whole subtext thing, which is really not subtext, it's the fucking text of the movie. (laughs) Uh, And and I think that's what endears it to so many people now, because it's just so batshit insane to think that you go from A Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, and then this is your sequel. It's like, you are just going to like left turn and going 100 miles down the road it's like it's so weird to me that they did that and so by the time you get to nightmare three it's them going okay we made a lot of money on that second one but let's reel it back in and let's get to the root of things again and so then you bring back heather langenkamp as nancy and then like start this weird mythology that they incorporate in all the rest of them that i find kind of silly but whatever this well but this is the one that isn't over the top silly it's silly and they go they go into the sort of like you know carnival dreamscapes yeah but in a way that is still i think grounded in no this is a scary movie um yeah yeah, they they still manage it very well and the effects are are great yeah. In this um, Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors, best of the series. Period. It's the best one. Um, it is. It is where we start to do the thematic deaths, but we do them in really nasty ways. So, yeah. like the guy who makes uh, marionettes Man, or whatever, when he is turned into a marionette, it is done by Freddy slashing into his his arms and his legs <laughs> and pulling, and pulling all of the veins yeah. and using those as the puppet strings it's fucked up <laughs> um, it's it's pretty gruesome it is pretty gruesome uh and then yeah. the, the girl who's but, getting over her heroin addiction and like his hands turn into needles and then all of the 
track marks on her arm turned into little like suckling mouths. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was yeah. like, what the hell is going on? Fuck you. Fuck you. No. <laughs> but <laughs> not just, scary. That's the thing. Not No well, longer this, scary. But yeah, disconcerting. But disconcerting. Because it's just like the most outlandish stuff that they're thinking of. But when you look at it yeah. in the terms of these are teenage characters dealing with their own internal fears, and that's why they start doing these thematic deaths, it sort of enhances the whole teenage isolation thing that oh. they're going for. Mm-hmm. And so, Eric, the I think you works. were trying to go somewhere there. Where, where were you headed? Uh, well, the thing about the scariness is it's like, okay, The Shining, the first time you see that, if you don't know the book, you don't know where you are. You know, it's like, it's, it's mm-hmm. disconcerting, you know, uh, psycho when, when, when she gets stabbed in the shower, you're, you're like, wait a minute. I thought I was, I thought I was here. You know, I thought, <laughs> I thought I understood yeah. where I was in this story. And suddenly I don't know what's behind me. I don't know what's around me. It's like, it's, it's the, the, the dislocation, the discombobulation. This one, by the time you start getting into all these sequels, you go, okay. No, it's a guy with knives on his hands and he kills people. And okay. All right. What's that? Okay. And, and it's never, it's never tilted. It's never changed. And that's what makes it not scary anymore. That's what makes it just Mm -hmm. a carnival ride. Now, if, if they had taken Freddy Krueger and turned him into Deadpool and just given up on making it scary and just made it meta and silly. They kind of do. Yeah. But, but like, but, by but admitting this isn't a horror movie anymore. I think I might yeah. have more patience for it, but well, it's just mm, yeah. I don't. I think I think where the third one sort of falters for me is because they, like I said, they try to expand the mythos a little bit, and that's when you find out that Freddy's the result of the nun who got locked in with the crazies, and like he's the son of a hundred psychopaths. It's like, well, that's uh, yeah, but a that's not how physiology that's works. That's how eggs so, get right. uh, fertilized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, okay, uh, and so it just starts to make it a little bit. So less. in other words, it was the Catholicism that made him Freddy. It's not. It's not the hundred maniacs. <laughs> yeah, pretty it's much. None. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. But so um, you know, you, you get that. But then you've also got like the it's the goofy idea that the girl can draw other people into her dreams because they need some sort of plot mechanism. And then it just right, and it becomes so fantastical that it I just it kind of loses me because the first one it's like you don't understand what's going on. It just is going on because it's the sins of the parents. The children are paying for that. It's just a very tight, compact package. Yeah. But by expanding this out, is, it's just like come on, come on. This that would have actually been a better adventure. horror film. That would have been a better horror film if it had been from the parents' perspective, and they their children keep dying. And then yeah. Fred just shows mm. up in their dreams going, here's the deal. I'm going to kill your kids one by one this week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Good night. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to make it look like an accident because your kid yeah. like dirt bikes. Oh, he's going to, you know, get ramrodded by a dirt bike up the butthole and he's dead. I mean, that's like kind of the stuff that they're going with here. <laughs> I also is, think so it would have been an interesting, as remakes go, I would love to remake uh, Dream Warriors. And here's my thought. They all come together you know they in their their various sort of hero powers they discover what they can do in their and they they defeat freddy at the end of the first act but after that they don't want to leave and they get trapped into basically the 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 power lust (laughs) of being able to rule their universe and and that is how freddy kills them yeah well, and the re- one that can pull other people into their dreams then becomes the the, the yes. problem. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly. Okay. He's he's yes. thinking outside of the box. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the deal, okay? Nightmare on Elm Street 3 has the rockin' song by Dawkin. And so that's when it starts to coalesce into a hey, we've got a budget. Do not drop that. Do not do not drop that music into this. Don't no don't 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 no don't no <laughs> sucker. Oh, but where, it was inevitable. Yeah. But where it where it fails for me, Brian, is this. When you watch it and it's this team of teenagers in this weird nether realm. Uh, with weird powers fighting the boogeyman. That's literally the plot line to the cartoon for Dungeons and Dragons. And it just bothers me <laughs> that they lifted it so wholesale. And so I well, can't take it seriously. It, it's it's almost like a bloody version of Time Bandits. <laughs> exactly. Scenes, right? Which is like funny. going bring, in and out yeah. of these different yeah, dimensions. And, exactly. Which yeah. is funny you bring it up because David Warner, who plays evil in Time Bandits, was the actual first choice for Freddy, but he had to bow out because of Time <laughs> Oh my God. So can you imagine how twisted this would have turned into if this like whole thing kind of <laughs> fell in on itself? <laughs> so, oh man! But yeah, but yeah, the time like I watched Dream Wars three or the, yeah this one earlier this week, and I'm like, that's when I made the time bandits connection finally. I'm like, how did I miss this? That's just no. Is it f- so? David Warner used to have such a respectable career. Something happened. Something very weird happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That got him to play like he wanted like money. a Klingon and uh and 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 yeah. sarcopy and, and a, shit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, a, and a weird South African psychopath. It's like he a lot of genre fiction. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I could I could call it Nightmare One, Two, and Three, and be done. It'd be a good trilogy. Yeah. But then you know yeah. they're making so much bank on this, and so like, hey, let's crack one out every year now, and so. Uh, Dream Master comes out number four, uh, which carries this is where over. It all goes goes wrong. Well, it's because right? they, but they in the third one they kill John Saxon and they kill Heather Langenkamp. So you've got literally no original characters now, which I applaud them for. Yeah, but at that point it's like, what do you do? Well, let's come up with some weird thing where now this girl who can draw people into her dreams is going to be the new heroine. And then, like, shenanigans Well, first they have to kill the first girl who could do that and have her transfer her power to the other girl because (laughs) they couldn't get Patricia Arquette back. Yeah. So they they do that, I guess. That's like, Um, oh, come on. But, like, this movie announces how how silly it's going to be right away. Like, they kill that character. There's, like, Freddy's glove comes out of the ocean. She's, like, on the beach. And Freddy's glove comes out of the ocean like it's a shark fin. Yeah. And then proceeds to just go through the sand (laughs) and through a sand castle. And, like... Freddy comes out and he's standing on the beach and he puts on some wayfarers and like okay, Freddy is now the protagonist of this series, yeah. right? Well, that's just, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely when it shifted. Uh, but number four is directed by Rennie Harlan. So again, right? Without Nightmare on Elm Street, you wouldn't have uh, Die Hard Two cliffhanger. Uh, blah blah blah. So it's just it's a weird deal. But he, it's he's very stylish. This. The fourth one is the most stylish looking one of the bunch, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but it's sure. also, obviously, they've jumped their budget because now you not only have uh, a score, but you also have a soundtrack using actual pop songs of the day. Like, Sinead O'Connor pops up a lot yeah. in this one, and it's so yeah. weird. I want your hands on me. It's like, come on. The the girl that gets killed to that song won a contest to be killed by Freddy that was re- was part oh, of that's right. Nightmare 3's yeah, promotion. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. But but Nightmare 4 has got my favorite death. I will just tell you that. It's the, the girl that likes to work out, and she's lifting weights, but she also hates cockroaches, which they're very <laughs> kind to just... Tell us about it at the very beginning of the sh- of the movie, 
And so she turns into a literal cockroach and they get stuck in like a, a roach motel in the goop. And that's, that's how she the contest dies. winner. That girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that death. I remember watching that going, that's cool. I like that idea. So, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, but otherwise, but, nothing to write home about. But yeah, now they've introduced this character, Alice, and then she gets pregnant for Dream Nightmare 5, the dream child. Whatever. Which has got the creepy and kid from Jurassic Park that Sam Neill excoriates in the desert at the beginning, <laughs> uh, like with the raptor claw. Because that kid the just chunka looks chunka. so creepy. Yeah. And so when he shows up and he's got those like giant eyes and he looks literally like one of the kids from Akira that's got the psych <laughs> powers. I mean, like, and this just- is... Yeah, this is the one where we literally have an anime sequence with a superhero character yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's just stupid. Uh, it's yeah. just getting ridiculous at this point. I think I think the fifth one is where I just decided I was gonna bow out of the series. I just didn't care anymore. Like when Freddy's Revenge came out, I didn't care. I'd never seen it. And then when Wes Craven's well, at new this Nightmare point, came quality out, informed your decision. You finally no, no, decided just, that this is where I <laughs> I have no, seen no. like the one, the first one. And I was like, I know better. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, I mean, you're, you know, you're a teenager. It's like, that's what we did. Maybe not you. Uh, but by that time, I was just like, well, I've seen the same movie three times in a row now. I think I understand what they're doing here. It's why I don't watch the Halloween sequels or the Friday the 13th sequels, because they're just, it's recaching the bits that everybody like, I, loves and nothing else. Yeah, I can. I'm not judging. I can't judge because I, of course was running around going, have you seen the next generation? It's almost as good as the original series. It's fucking <laughs> exactly. amazing. Yeah. The Fong and well, Prosper. The the, well, the thing with the, the Elm, Elm Street movies that just doesn't do them a service is because there's so many of them. So again, like the other storied franchises, uh, but by the yeah. late 80s, they're literally turning into the Police Academy franchise. It just, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, there's no reason for it except oh, that they just need to crank them out. Oh, we have gotten that crossover? Could we have had <laughs> yeah, Police Academy Oh my 10? gosh. <laughs> I tried to blew out again. my mic on that. Yeah. Oh shit. Steve yeah. Dudenberg getting killed by Freddy Krueger. Please. Yeah. Please. Like <laughs> or, or Freddy Krueger thinking he's effects. killing him and Michael Winslow yeah. is behind him going... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm your boyfriend now, Mahoney. Yeah. Good God. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's going to get a blowjob from the podium. Nope. Turns out it's Freddy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, so it's just, boy. Yeah, There's a so, whole movie there, isn't there? Yeah. So just, just by the end, just a law of diminishing returns. And I, I mean, people tout New Nightmare, but it's not even really a Nightmare on Elm Street movie because they you do know all what? the weird meta referencing. So it's eh. New Nightmare is the only other one worth your time. Okay. Um so yeah, so apparently New Nightmare was actually the first pitch that Wes Craven gave for the third movie. Right. Um hmm. New Nightmare is about filmmaker Wes Craven and actress Heather Langenkamp and producer Bob Shea who have been making these movies, it turns out, because if they don't, an ancient evil is unleashed upon the earth, and the way to keep the genie in the bottle is to make more of these fucking movies, and they stopped making them, and so now the genie is out of the bottle and attacking Wes Craven, Heather Langenkamp, and Robert Shea. Well, nothing is extremely meta. I'm guaranteeing that there's nothing in that movie to explain why People Under the Stairs got made. So put that in your pipe and, <laughs> and smoke it. And and interestingly, that sounds very you know not unlike the the concept for Human Centipede Two. 
Ugh. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah. They get so outside really? of the film and they have like a fan who's like, I loved that. I'm going to make a human son and gets one of the actresses from the, in fact, actually actors playing themselves from the original show up throughout those scenes. Oh, really? Understand. Yeah. No, thanks. Wow. No thanks. Yeah. I didn't care for the first one. I didn't, I saw part of the first one. I was like, Ick, no, the second one though is worth your time just for very, very, uh-huh. very guttural comedy. It is. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I have no interest whatsoever yeah. in, in those. Well, I, I, be- say- I think I felt obligated because of my name to watch these movies. The only one I haven't seen is Freddy vs. Jason, which I it's, probably should go watch it's, at some point. It is exactly what you would think that a movie called Freddy vs. Jason is. It's just, it's dumb. Yeah. It's like, it basically, it's Alien vs. Predator, uh, just without Alien and Predator. I mean, that's all it is. Yeah. It's just a way for them to keep the IP I mean, alive. It's very easy to blame those those Jason those Friday the 13th movies for like being so, I don't know, crass. But if you ask me, they just have a better sense of humor about it because you don't see fast and furious in space, but you should, because they are yeah. exactly the same thing. <laughs> They're ridiculous, but they won't write out and say, I know this is fucking ridiculous. Well, yeah, but it's also those classic characters from the eighties. Just it's now become a case of a snake eating its own tail. Because when they started, they were genuinely scary, but then they used the same tropes over and over. So by the fifth sequel, it's just imitating itself. And so it just, it loses all of its power. And so you have these iconic creatures. So it's like when you get to, let's say in the fifties, when the Hammer films were doing like Frankenstein and Dracula again, those aren't creepy. Those aren't scary. They're just, it's properties that everybody understands what they are so they can do these yeah. things, but they're not scary. And so that's sort of the vibe that these, these happen. So by the time you so, get to the ninth Freddy, it's like, okay, whatever. So curious about that revisiting, maybe this is a way to tie it back up. Um, having been overexposed to the Freddy Krueger thing, Going back and watching the first movie again, is does it hold up as a scary movie given that you know where this was all going? To to me no. it does. To me it does because I, it's Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. I want to hear your thoughts. I, I, I can't separate know. it from the nostalgia. You know, it's it's tainted by the first viewing. If I if I could somehow wipe my memory and watch it again, I could probably tell you honestly whether yeah. but even there, I'm fifty years old and different things scare me now that have nothing to do with, you know, being a teenager. So it's like, I, I don't know. I think he kind of had to be there maybe. Which is fair, but to me, it still works as a film and that's his greatest strength. Oh, that, Uh, yeah, that I'll give you. It still, it still works structurally. Yeah. It's just as far as a horror movie, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's got all the tropes, but just the way that he tweaks them. But to me, it's like, even now when I watch it for the, the 10th time or whatever, when the body bag just shows up in the hall, I mean, that generally makes me uneasy. I mean, I know it's coming and then it comes and it's just, it's horrifying because it's just like, you know, you translate that to like the kids getting shot at in high school. I mean, it's kind of that same vibe almost to me. That's how I correlate it. Mm -hmm, And so it just gets to the horror of being a teenager in a very visceral way. But that's lacking think, in the rest of the movies, so it's just. It's I think hard the to low say. budget and the practical effects um, 
help help give it a more timeless quality. Yeah. Whereas like that's one of the reasons I haven't bothered with a Freddy versus Jason is I've seen some clips and it's like the CG is so CGE that I yeah, can't exactly. get around it, right? Well, it's also um, uh not hurt by the fact that it's got a very cool iconic score that's very easy yep. to hum. It's like the Halloween one where it's just the John Carpenter da 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 da. I mean it's I mean it's just a very yeah. off-kilter thing. Whereas, you know, Friday the 13th has the cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. It's like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, that was the punchline. <laughs> Try yeah. pulling that out sometime on something. Yeah. Choo-choo-choo-cha-cha-cha. Yeah. But there's so much going on. But then you have Robert England who just sort of makes the character his own. And it's uneven from movie to movie. But for the most part, it's like, I don't think it would have had the success it did without him in the role. Because he just obviously mm, yeah. relishes it. And he brings a very weird physicality to it that is totally separate from the lumbering hulks of Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. And so it works for me. And then it leads into later when you get like Pinhead and Chucky and all that stuff, which is sort of modeled on Freddy. And so I think you can start to see the shift that way. And so that's why it's a very germinal movie and is very important in the horror genre. And it will always be one of my favorites. That's it. Oh, all right. Bow tied. I got nothing else to say. Yeah. Uh huh. Great. So well, let's know. wrap it up then. Hey, let's do it. Uh, I'm your like, boyfriend like, now, Nancy. Like, like, like the Nightmare on Elm Street series. You know, the podcast as it goes on and on and on becomes repetitive and all of that. So, <laughs> exactly. if you've got fresh ideas for us, why don't you send them our way? Hit us up on Twitter. We're yeah. at MagHuge. Uh, we're on Facebook as Magnificently Huge Podcast. Same for Instagram. Uh, you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And as always, help us grow the show. Share it on your social media feeds. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate it on iTunes. And uh, if you want to f- check out all the cool art and back episodes, you can also hit a- our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. And you can find links to do all the stuff I said earlier. So you don't have to remember that. Just remember maghuge.com. You check know, there. That, yeah, it's like you could you could probably have your own podcast and like you know do your idea yourself. But there's too many podcasts already. Let us be yeah. your podcast. You tell us yeah, what to do, right. and we'll do it. We'll dance yeah. like monkeys if you tell us to. And this is the only show where you hear about Nightmare on Elm Street Ten: Mission to Moscow. No, <laughs>